You know, there's this, uh, there's this great story of a 20th century theologian by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's a bit of an aside, but I think it's important tonight. And uh, Bonhoeffer came from privilege. He was someone who was wealthy, and he was offered the opportunity during the Second World War, so the story goes, uh, to leave Germany and have this really great teaching post in New York. And he chose to stay in Germany. And as he was in Germany, he developed this really beautiful community of people who were learning to read the scriptures and pray together. And one of his friends came to him and said, Dietrich, you come from wealth and prestige. This job is available to you in New York. Why would you stay here in Germany under these circumstances? And as the story goes, and we're not sure entirely how true it is, but he rowed his friend across the river. They walked up a mountain or a hill together. And Diedrich pointed to the Nazi camp that was on the other side of the river. And he said, this, what we're doing, has to be stronger than this. And friends, as we're in this room tonight, worshiping our God together, what we're doing as we come together to know him and to praise him, this kind of formation has to be stronger than Calgary. Are you with me? That actually what we're doing here is foundational for who we are as human beings. Yes? Thanks be to God. Hey, if we have not yet had the opportunity to meet, uh, my name is Cody, and I'm just grateful for the opportunity to be here with you tonight. I am a pastor and a teacher of the way of Jesus, but most importantly, I'm a partner in the gospel of King Jesus with Center Street Church and all of you. And listen, I've been tasked tonight with completing the second half of a two-part series on our sacred writings, on the biblical narrative. And last month, Ashwin uh, started the series by addressing sort of a key question that's plaguing the post-Enlightenment church in the West, and is this, is the Christian Bible trustworthy? And he offered four arguments or observations for the reliability and trustworthiness of our scriptures. He talked about coherence, how from beginning to end, the story of God coheres. He talked about manuscript evidence, including the Dead Sea Scrolls. He talked about prophetic prediction and fulfillment within the scriptures. And he talked about the power of the Bible the scriptures for human transformation. And if you are not here, either um, physically or maybe mentally, are you with me? Uh, I'd encourage you to go back and just re-listen or listen to that. But tonight, the second half of our series and the key question is this, if the Christian Bible is trustworthy, and that was last month, how do we apply it to our lives? Maybe better stated, how do we find meaning for our lives within the biblical story? Maybe I could put it this way. How can we posture ourselves in such a way as to allow the Holy Spirit to bring transformation as we read the biblical story? And to answer that question, in the 20 or so minutes allotted to me tonight, I want to make four brief observations or suggestions that I hope will help you to posture your reading of our beautiful story towards transformation, both for your life, but the life of your neighbor and Lord willing for our entire community. And so that's the question. How do we find meaning within the story of God? How do we posture ourselves in such a way as to be transformed? And first is this, we have to know the story. Are you with me? We actually have to read it if we're going to know it. If we want to be transformed by the scriptures, we must know the story. 
You know, the biblical narrative, uh, this thing, consists of 66 independent documents that span a myriad of writers and time periods, circumstances, and literary styles. If you take up and read it, you'll, you'll realize that it's chocked full of narrative and prophetic and poetry and biographies and letters and this weird genre called apocalyptic, which no one really knows how to read. Are you with me? you've read Revelation, you can just say amen. But listen, all of these documents, they function together as one unified story. The story of God, the story of humanity, the story of meaning, identity, and purpose. And listen, stories are foundational to human existence. Stories have always been and stories always will be. You know why? Because as humans, we're all storytellers and story listeners. As a famous novelist once put it, we need narrative. We need stories like we need space and time. Stories are a built-in thing. We might say that we're actually storied creatures and our orientation to the world around us is foundationally shaped by the stories we tell and the stories that we come to believe. Simply in the words of the theologian James Smith, stories are like the air we breathe. They become the narrative scaffolding for the house of your human experience. Stories become the way of making meaning and receiving meaning. We tell ourselves stories in order to live. We need stories like we need food and water, and we're built for narrative. We're actually nourished by stories, not just as distractions or diversions or entertainment, because we actually understand the world around us through stories. Stories uh, shape where we've been. Stories shape where we are, and stories shape where we are going. Maybe better stated for you tonight, stories shape who we've been. Stories shape who we are, and stories shape who we are becoming. And I think we should pause and ask why. Why are we so shaped by stories? And if you take up and do any reading of social scientists, you'll find this, that humans are shaped by stories because they function on at least two significant levels. First, stories help us interpret the world around us. That we actually use and employ stories throughout human history to understand the world. But second, stories help us make sense of our own human experiences. We know that we can endure something or face the trial that's ahead because of the story of someone else who was there before us. Are you with me? That actually stories structure our world and they structure our lives. They help us to make sense of everything. The philosopher Alistair McIntyre once said this, stories are so fundamental to our identity that we don't know what to do without one. As he put it, I can't answer the question what I should do unless I've already answered a prior question of which story am I a part? So let me ask you this tonight. If stories shape our existence, should we not allow the proper story to narrate our lives? So let me ask you, of which story are you a part tonight? What story is narrating your life? What story is, in sh- is shaping your interpretation of the world around us and making sense of our human experiences? And I don't know what that story is for you tonight. The story of maximizing pleasure and minimizing pain. The story that you're not good enough or smart enough. 
the story that you can't do it. I don't know what the story is for you, what kind of philosophy, consciously or unconsciously, that you're shaping your life around, but every single person in this room is shaping their life around a story. So what story shapes your life tonight? You know, at a key moment in Israel scriptures, in our Old Testament, um, when the people of God were liberated from slavery in Egypt, they were called to remember the beautiful story of liberation, freedom, and deliverance. The word remember is the word zakar in Hebrew, and it doesn't simply mean to remember bygone events, but here's what it means. It means keeping the story close, bringing the story to mind so that it transforms the way that you live in the present. Exodus 13, 9 puts it this way, and it shall be a sign for you in your, uh, in your hand and a remembrance between your eyes so that Yahweh's teaching will be in your mouth. Notice the use of hands and eyes and mouth here. Within the scriptures, the hands are always the way that you interact in the world. The eyes are always the way that you see the world and the mouth is always the story that you're telling in the world. And so if stories shape our lives as human beings, we need to begin to become faithful to knowing the story of God as revealed in the scriptures. The story that transforms the way that we interact with the world, the way that we see the world and the way that we speak in the world to allow the story of God to begin to narrate your life. And listen, here's, here's the interesting thing. Once we begin to recognize that we're allowing other stories to narrate our lives, we can begin to recognize the invitation of God to surrender. Listen, if we want to experience the fullness of the story of God, we have to let go of control of all of the other false stories that are dominating and corrupting our lives as individuals and as a corporate church. If we want to allow the biblical story to transform our lives, we actually have to let go of all of the other stories and find ourselves arrested by and surrendered to the story of God. To move away from unreality and false narratives and move towards surrendering to the reality of God. Thomas Merton once said this, he said, there is no greater disaster to the spiritual life than to be immersed in unreality. He actually goes on to say this in another place, there is only one problem upon which my existence, my peace, and my happiness depend to discover myself in discovering God. Merton said, if I find him, I will find myself. And if I find myself, I will find him. Surrender means this then. Surrender means surrendering the unreality, letting go of the lies and the distortions of our cultural moment, to cease from finding meaning and identity and purpose in all the wrong stories and to find ourselves. In Merton's language, the reality of who we really are before God in surrender to begin to discover the truth of our meaning and our identity and our purpose in the story of God. But here's what I've learned. Most often, when we come to the story of the Bible and we begin to read it, we attempt to muster all of our own strength to become obedient to the commands. We're just saying, I can bear down and I can do this. I can do what it says. But I want to advise and I want to caution tonight. And here's what I want to say. Instead of obedience, first seek surrender. 
Now here's what, hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. I'm saying this, first surrender because it is possible to live in obedience to the commands of scriptures while never fully surrendering to God. We can live the commands to the letter, but never capture the spirit. And I think in surrender, we learn to capture the essence and the heart and the life of God, which I believe will result in obedience. As we surrender to God and as we let go, we find ourselves in the midst of the story that he is writing in obedience. David Benner says this, unless we can come to understand, hear this tonight, that we are deeply beloved by God, attempts to obey will only result in depth, in death. But once we begin to grasp the height and the depth of God's love, our motivations will be transformed. And it is out of that motivation that we begin to come to the Father to align our will in surrender to the will of God. And in surrendering to the story of God, both past, present, and future, I believe that we are enabled to dive deeper beneath the surface in our readings. But if we come to it and we try to read it and we are not in a place of surrender, it will be difficult. Because in our surrender, here's what happens. We begin to allow the Bible to read us. The biblical story is penned to examine and convict and challenge and transform us because the story of the Bible reveals God. Listen, we do not worship the scriptures as a book. We worship the God whom the scriptures reveal. Are you with me? And when we read the biblical narrative, if we find that the story never examines, never convicts, never challenges or transforms, we are probably not engaging with the God whom the scriptures reveal. But instead, we're dealing with a modified, self-projected shadow version of God made in our own image. A.W. Tozer once said this, were we able to extract from any human being what comes to mind when they think about God, we can predict with certainty the future of that person. Friends, we are invited to surrender tonight to the story of the biblical narrative, to allow the Bible to begin to read us so that we might encounter and know the one whom the story reveals. So that what comes to mind when we think about God will be Jesus. And as we surrender to the story of Jesus, we will be transformed. Both our past, our present, and I believe our entire future. But third, let me say this. As we come to know the story, and as we surrender to the story, we will find the pathway to life in the story. The pathway to flourishing. Because the story of God is intended for life and life abundant. Are you with me? As followers of Jesus, we know that the story of God is the only pathway to freedom, life, and wholeness. Because the story calls us away from sin and towards wholeness in God. But what is sin? You know, maybe you're here tonight. And you're not a follower of Jesus, and you're new to the church, and you hear this word, and you think, I don't know what that word means. And someone says, sin means missing the mark. And you say, okay, but what's the mark? You're like, you're still just as confused. Are you with me? And through the story of the Bible, the mark is genuine humanness. It's actually imaging God as we were made to image God, to live life in union with God, our creator. Sin, then, in the words of Ignatius, is this. Sin is a lack of willingness to trust that God wants my best. Hear that tonight. 
Sin is a lack of willingness to trust that God wants my best. If we want the story of God to have transformative power in our lives, we need to learn to trust that the story of God is designed for our best. That the God revealed in the scriptures is abundantly more beautiful and loving and hope-filled and merciful and compassionate and gracious than you could ever begin to ask or imagine. And if we learn to trust that the story of God is intended for our life and our flourishing, we can begin to realize that all the other stories that promise you life and freedom will only lead to frailty and death. The story of God draws us onto the pathway to flourishing. You know, at one point in the life of Jesus, he looked at his followers and he said this to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I think sometimes what we miss in Jesus' statement is the actual heartbeat. Jesus says he is the way. He is the life. If you want to find the fullness of life, If you want to know what you were created for, you will find it in following Jesus. It's what the Hebrews called a halakha. It's a way of walking. Jesus says, as you walk in my ways, as you follow in my path, you will become the human that you were created to be. But listen, regardless of who we are and where we come from tonight, we're all seeking the pathway to life. We're all looking for more freedom and more wholeness and more life and more flourishing. And we're told this, carve your own path, live in your own way. But this, we live in a cultural moment plagued by anxiety and depression and heartache and loneliness as everyone tries to carve their own way. In fact, there's a Korean-German philosopher who says this, the depressive is the one who is exhausted by their own sovereignty. That is, they no longer have the power to be their own master. And I want to suggest this tonight, that we live in a cultural moment here in Canada that is exhausted by its own sovereignty. It does not know where to go, but it's constantly pursuing life by means of philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition and the elemental spirits of the world. That's Paul's language. And I'm here to say this. You were created to find life in following the ways of God. What Jesus called the narrow path to live in self-donation and service and in love. In the words of St. Augustine, humans were created in the image of God. True freedom then is not found in moving away from that image, but in living it out. We are indeed, as Augustine says in another place, restless until we rest in God. The story of God is intended for your life and for your flourishing, for you to become who you were created to be as you live within this story. Friends, as you read this story, you will find that as you surrender to it, you will find the pathway to true life within it. So fourth, we need to know the story, surrender to the story, find the pathway of life and flourishing in the story so that we can begin to embody the story. Listen, we need to saturate our minds with our scriptures As Paul says uh, in his language to the house churches in Rome, to be transformed by the renewing of our way of thinking. 
so that we can begin to imagine and dream and embody the story that God is bringing to completion by the power of the Spirit through his people right now. To know where the story has been. To know what part of the story is currently unfolding so that we can begin to embody where the story is going. Let me use imagery from a scholar named N.T. Wright. He says this, Imagine with me for a moment a Shakespeare play. Difficult for some of you, I know. Just stick with me for a minute, okay? I promise it's valuable. I know, yeah. By the way, Romeo and Juliet, greatest love story of all time. It makes no sense. I don't get it. It's fine. Imagine for a moment a Shakespeare play. I digress. Imagine, um, imagine this, that the first four acts of the play have been written. They're done. They're written down. Shakespeare wrote them. And we have a pretty good idea where the last scene is supposed to end up, but we have no fifth act. There's just no fifth act to this play. But for some reason, we're called to stage the play. So here's the question. How do we do it faithfully? How do we stage this play faithfully? And Wright says this, He says, we cannot possibly begin to embody the scenes that we are supposed to live without ingesting everything that has come before it. The only way to embody the story in the present is to know where the story has been. The themes and movements, the characters, motifs, the twists and turns. And listen, we do not live our scenes of the play by copying someone else's lines. Are you with me? But instead, we embody our scenes by allowing everything that has come before in the beautiful, messy movement of God's long story to inform and to shape and direct us to the life that God is calling us to embody right now. Yeah. All of humanity is created to play a role in the story of God that continues to be written. There's a whole city out there that doesn't know that this story is their story. The story that's embodied in peace and hope and love. And the spirit of God within us and the spirit of God above us and beside us and amongst us is teaching us to make his story our story. To allow the other stories that are determining the way we live to come crashing down and instead to become malleable and teachable and open and responsive to the story that God is calling us to take up and write right now. The beautiful ending to God's unfolding drama is not fulfilled by fixating on what has been, but instead by the power of the spirit to embody the ongoing story in the present. Listen, if we allow the story of God to become dead news or timeless truths or banal platitudes or old history, we will miss the part of the beautiful story that we are called to take up and write. Friends, may we know the story. May we surrender to the story and find the pathway to flourishing in the story so that we can begin to embody the story. We were created to embody the story. The story is not finished yet. Are you with me? And God is calling each one of you to know the story that he has written so well so that you can embody your part in the story in the present because every single person in this room has a role to play. In the words of Eugene Peterson, we are part of a holy community that for 3,000 years and more have been formed inside and out by these words of God. 
words that have been heard and tasted and chewed on and walked. He says this, reading our holy scriptures is totally physical. Our bodies are the means of providing our being access to God in his revelation. And he says this, eat this book. A friend uh, reports to me that one of the early rabbis selected a different part of the body to make the same point. He insisted that the primary body part for taking in the word of God is not the ears, but the feet. You learn God, he said, not through your ears, but through your feet. So follow the rabbi. Friends, the greatest advice I can give you tonight, if you want to apply the scriptures to your own life, is first you need to eat this book. There is no other way as a means of knowing the God whom the story reveals. Are you with me? To begin to live in surrender to the story. And I can say this, that there are many people in this room, both young and old, who read parts of this story and they are not yet willing to surrender to the story that God has written. Friends, I invite you tonight to surrender so that you can find the pathway to life and flourishing and begin to embody the story. So that is the paradigm that I'm offering tonight. As Ashwin offered some really great advice on why the Bible is trustworthy. And all I can say is this, know the story, surrender to the story, find the pathway of life in following Jesus in the story and begin to embody it here now in the present. It's not just ears or eyes, but it's feet. And as you leave tonight, this, this resource is still available, a really wonderful reading plan to just dig into knowing the story and surrendering and flourishing and embodying. And so as the worship team returns, let me just say a couple of things as I close. First, if you're here tonight and you've never allowed the story that God is writing to narrate your life, if you've never made a commitment to follow Jesus, to surrender to the beautiful story of God, we invite you tonight to surrender. To allow God's story to become your story. To cease from allowing other stories and other ways of being to dominate your life and instead find the freedom and the hope and the life that only comes in Jesus. You're invited tonight to make the story that God is writing your story. But second, if you're here tonight and you do follow Jesus, but maybe you don't really know the story, or maybe you're here tonight and you're not surrendering to the story, or maybe you're here tonight and you're not embodying the story, we invite you tonight to come back to God to again tonight make his story your story, to walk out of here tonight by the power of the Spirit of God, to ingest the story, to surrender to the story, find life in the story, and begin to embody the story. And so if you're here tonight, and you have not yet made God's story your story, we invite you to do that. And there's a prayer team that's going to be at the back. If you have any prayer needs tonight, we just encourage you to head back there and find prayer to lift up our petitions to God. But if you're here tonight and you're going to make that story your story, will you go and pray with somebody tonight? And if you're here tonight and you know that there are just parts of your life that you are not surrendering, you know there are ways that God is calling you to embody the story, but you have been unwilling, we invite you, get prayer tonight. Find yourself in surrender tonight. 
but also this, maybe you're here tonight and you want to make a commitment to follow Jesus and you want to be baptized tonight. Or maybe you're here and you've been following Jesus a long time, but you've never been baptized. We invite you tonight to come and be baptized into the death and the resurrection of our King Jesus. Yeah. So let me close this with this tonight. May we allow this paradigm for reading our scriptures to saturate our hearts and our minds. May we, in the spirit of faithfulness, commit ourselves to knowing the story of the scriptures. May we tonight together surrender the unreality and learn to find our true selves in surrender to God. May we tonight find freedom to find life in the story of God. And may we rest assured that false freedoms lie around every corner, over-promising and under-delivering, while the story of God is the only pathway to life and flourishing. And may we together begin to embody the story right now so that we can be awakened to the story that God continues to write through his people. May we together be so saturated within the story of God that we are transformed and we are free to become partners and agents of transformation in the story that God continues to write. Let's pray together. God, for those who are here tonight who have not yet surrendered to your story, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring conviction to surrender. God, for those of us who are here tonight who say that we follow you, but we're not embodying your story or surrendering your story or making uh, your story our story, God, I pray that you would aid us to do that tonight. That together we would make a commitment, God, to shape ourselves around you. That we would find ourselves in finding you. Lord Jesus, I pray that by the power of your spirit, you would just continue to move in powerful ways in this space tonight as we declare the truth and the reality of who you are. We say that we love you. We say that we trust you. God, we say that we know that you are our best. And so we commit ourselves to you tonight. We pray these things in the name of your son and our savior, Jesus. Amen.